Welcome to the Pinelander Podcast, the official podcast of Pineland, broadcasting to you from an undisclosed location deep inside Pineland, where we discuss faith, family, finances, firearms, freedom, food, and everything else in between with those who believe in living free and living out the values that made this country free. Welcome to the Pinelander Podcast. My name is Paul Lefebvre. I'm here with my ranger buddy, Mike Blackburn. Today is Friday, the 17th of March, 2023, and this year is just cooking right along. What do you think, Mike? Well, it's been a mild, it's been a very mild winter, so I'm a, I'm a little scared about what maybe summer <laughs> might have in store for us. because That's true. It just did not get very cold. That, that is a fact. Uh, it was very mild. I know we get a lot of mild winters in the Carolinas, but man... I mean, it was like last week. It was. Uh, it's like t-shirt weather. Yeah, all went along. February was was warmer than I think November. Very yeah. strange. And they said that the uh, uh, Puxatawney Phil saw eight, uh, what eight more weeks of winter. I'm not sure if he, he might need to get his uh, eyes checked. Yeah, he might. He, yeah, it might be time to retire him. Huh? Might want to retire that Puxatawney Phil. Uh, so what we have uh, done lately is we've been talking a lot about the. Um, Warrior virtues, and I think a good segue into that, uh, from that today, uh, we're bringing on one of our good friends, uh, our friend Tim Burke. Welcome, Tim Burke, to the Pinelander. Thank you, guys. I appreciate being invited, and it is truly an honor. Right on, man. It's always a, it's always good to, to reach out to some of our old teammates, a uh, guy that's been in the special operations community. Uh, and we, we wanted to bring Tim on today to talk about leadership, talk about some lessons learned from uh, his experiences in the soft community. And I think that we'll all be uh, uh, entertained and also uh, we'll be able to take some of these lessons learned and put into our, our kit bag. So if I think the best, one of the ways I thought would be good to talk about, uh, get this thing started, Tim, is just looking at your dates. I can't remember the kind of the dates you're in. Could you just kind of. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, I left uh, the cornfields of Northwest Indiana in 1984 after graduating high school, and I was literally the 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 most incompetent, scared kid that you've ever met. Um, and I joined the 82nd Airborne Division because I thought that was the pinnacle and toughest thing that a guy could do. And when I got to Fort Bragg after Airborne School, I realized that I was at the bottom of the totem pole. And I had very, very much to learn. Um, so I was, uh, I was in from 84 to 88. And then I had a short break in service, came back in in 90 and retired in 2008. Wow. Yeah, that's a good stretch. Uh, you got like, uh, let's see, we had a lot of things going on during that time, 84 to 88. So we had, uh, uh, might even have some of the old Vietnam vets maybe hanging around. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, Tim, yeah. We, we both of us uh, joined at the same time. So, you know, we were on the, uh, I remember, uh, you know, uh, Grenada, and uh, I think it was the cover of Newsweek, uh, where she had a picture of uh, the airborne paratroopers, right? The paratroopers that uh, jumped into uh, Point Salinas there. And, and of mm -hmm. course, that uh, that motivated me. I went down there and, and uh, signed up a delayed entry program because I just, I thought that was the coolest thing. 
Yeah, yeah no. absolutely. That was uh, an awesome. I was just going to yeah. add that that um, the the um, Grenada Grenada raid was one of the reasons that I joined up and went to the Airborne. That's, yeah, absolutely. that's where I was going to ask you. Yep. I mean, that was the hotness. I mean, I was I was uh, I think I was twelve at the time, but a little younger than you guys, but definitely motivational. Absolutely. Yeah, so the uh, interesting thing about uh, your dates also is it spans, you know, Ronnie Reagan and then also uh, the Clintonian era, which was, uh, mm -hmm. I'm saying error instead of era. <laughs> <laughs> That's and great. Then, I love it. Yeah, and then you had the, uh, I mean, all the way to Obama. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. I think, the, well, at least the last year of Bush. So this is a lot of time that you, you've, you've seen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I... Um... I was still a young private when I watched the, the space shuttle erupt in mid-flight uh, mm. when it when it self-destructed. The first one, I know we had two that uh, came apart in the air, but um, that's dating me all the way back to, you know, the, the early days there. Um, yeah, we've definitely seen a lot of changes, and I think the one thing that, that I noticed was the higher I climbed on the totem pole, meaning you know, jumping from regular army or airborne into SF, uh, the more stable things were, um, especially going to the unit. It seemed like politics didn't really play that much of a role once you got into the soft community because the roles that we play are so vital, regardless of who's in, in office, that uh, you stay well-funded and, you know, you pretty much stay out the door and on deployment. So it was um, a lot of changes in the military. But at the same time, I felt like we were a little bit insulated inside of special forces. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the, uh, you know, being from the 82nd, so you were in the 82nd. And then uh, this is when uh, you, you felt like, you know, called to, uh, what time did you you feel like you, you wanted to go to, to group, to go to the, the Q course? Yeah, so it was kind of a weird, weird path for me. Um, you know, I got out of the Army um, for a short period because I was sick of them not just telling me what to do, but how to do it. And and I was like, yeah. look, t give me the mission and then get out of my way. You know, that that was my attitude. And I couldn't do that in the 82nd. They mm. constantly spoon fed me and controlled me and had their thumb on me. And, and I hated that aspect of it. So I got out and a, a short time uh, later, maybe a year later, um, I was actually cutting the grass at my church on a riding lawnmower. And there was a guy, I'll, I'll protect his name because I think he's still active in the community, although he's retired from the military. But his name was Rick and he was a sergeant major at the unit. And he showed up at my church, which also had a school. And as he was walking into the school to pick up his daughter, he looked over at me and he said, hey, Tim, what are you doing? And I thought, smart aleck answer. <laughs> you know, I'm like, hmm. I'm cutting the grass. What does it look like? And uh, I said, oh, I'm, I'm just cutting the grass, Rick. And I, of course, had all the respect in the world for this guy because of who he was and what he had accomplished. And <clears throat> excuse me. And he said, no, man, I'm, I mean, in life, what are you doing? Yeah, the bigger it question. It caused me to pause and, and kind of go deep for a second. And then he opened the door, and as he walked in, he said, you need to go back in. You're one of us. Mm. 
And that was the turning moment that literally drew me back into the military, back into special forces, and then ultimately go into the unit as a DS medic. That those few words of affirmation that he gave me mm. literally changed my life. Yeah, I think I know the uh, the Rick you're talking about. Uh, yeah, he's one heck of a model American, uh, barrel-chested freedom fighter. Yeah, and I've, uh, you know, if it's the same guy, uh, definitely a guy that, uh, uh, I mean, there is a, an expression, uh, the unexamined life's not worth living. And he's a guy that kind of mm -hmm. helps you go there and kind of look yeah. at, go a little deeper and go, hey, what you know, what are you doing with yourself? Yeah, that's awesome. So he saw that, uh, you know, you were value added and then you had, yeah. you put in some time with the unit. Yeah, I was there. I was in the unit from 96 to 98. So I was I was there kind of a short time. And and I'd actually like to break that down here in a little bit, you know, once we start going through some of the leadership stuff. Right. Because I think, <clears throat> I, unfortunately, most of the lessons that I would have for listeners are lessons that I gained from doing the wrong thing. Yeah. And and I certainly learned a lot at the unit. Um, it was both the best and the worst time in my career. And, and uh, you know, of course, we can break that down here in a few minutes. But uh, I loved it. it. It grew me up as a medic. It grew me up as a soldier. Being there uh, gave me not only attitudes and principles that I'll use for the rest of my life, but that made me successful even when I went back to group. So it was just an amazing, amazing time. Yeah, so that uh, so if we can get into this, uh, you know, we have maybe, I guess the best way to start off is just with leadership is to just use the tried and true definition of leadership. It's the you know, leadership is providing purpose, direction, and motivation uh, to uh, accomplish the mission and better the organization. So it's a process of influencing others, and right. you know, providing uh, purpose, direction, motivation. So. Um, you know, as somebody that's, you know, been at the, uh, you know, the grassroots, so you joined as a private and then you saw, you know, you had sergeants just like we did and you mm -hmm. saw leadership. Uh, I just wanted to ask you this too. Now, since you're an older guy and, uh, and I don't think we often get this out, but what do you see? I just wanted to ask you this. What do you see in guys today uh, that's different from the guys that we saw that we went to the Q course with? I just want to hear your, your take on that. I mean, cause I see, I work at the Q course and I see guys that come through the pipeline and, mm. and, and I'll just say this, maybe you can agree with me or disagree with me. I see, I usually tell the guys, Hey, you guys are pretty much the same cut of cloth that we are, but I just see fewer of you. Mm. Like you guys are better with your phones. You're a whiz with your computer. You're slightly like retarded when it comes to communication skills but there's just less of you. I don't know what your take is. I mean, because mm. it's such an old guy thing to just bad mouth the next generation, but I don't, I don't know what your take is when you look at the pool of guys that we're, we're drawing from to put into the pipeline of the Q course. It's even before we talk about leadership, I wonder if you just, what's your take on that? Yeah, I think, I mean, that, that's a deep question and probably uh, worthy of an entire podcast, yeah. but um my observation has been that the younger generation is more polarized where we had guys that were definitely soft material 
Yeah. And then there are guys that definitely were not, you know, <laughs> you're, you're, they just weren't going to make it. And then there was a middle group that depending on how they felt or how they were influenced by leadership, they, they could have made it maybe, or maybe not. Hmm. And nowadays it's really polarized. You don't have much of a middle ground group at all. You either have kids that are stuck to their phones and their computers and mm. their fat content in their bodies and the 20 percentage points and worse than that, cause that can be fixed, but mm. worse than that, their attitude is, uh, an entitlement attitude. You know, you're going to pay me for my time. Uh, you owe me what what's in it for me kind of an attitude. And then you have at the other end of the spectrum, those guys that still believe in the American flag, the Pledge of Allegiance, they cry at the national anthem. Mm. And they're they're still the same cloth, like you said. They're still the same cut of cloth, but there's just less of them, like you said, I think. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. Man, I'm glad that you fleshed that out. I mean, you, you went to some other areas I normally don't go, so you just give me some more ammo uh, in my <laughs> talks. But, uh, but yeah, so since you're a guy like us, since you were a guy that ran to the sound of the guns, you know, you joined the 82nd, you joined the Army because you wanted to, you know, see the world, meet interesting people, kill them. You wanted to destroy the enemies of our country, uh, keep America free, all those good things. Uh, that's mm -hmm. why you joined, I'm, I'm imagining, no doubt. Yep. And then you, you uh, obviously, you gravitated to the Special Forces, and at some point you've been, you were put into a leadership role. Uh, mm -hmm. like all the guys that are going through, and the, most of our listeners are guys going through the pipeline. So I think they will get a lot out of that. Hey, you're a new guy. Uh, at some point, you're made a staff sergeant. At some point, you know, you're on a team, and then you're a senior, and then you're going to be leading people. So mm -hmm. maybe we could start it off that way, kind of, uh, you know, our, just say our audience will be naturally guys going through the pipeline. What could we, how could we start off with leadership and, and, and like looking at your, career and like how you started, how you, how you looked at it, like your philosophy of um, leadership or what it means to you? Sure. That's a great question. Um, I break it down. Uh, I go all the way back to like pre-selection and there, there are three distinct seasons that, that I look at, at least that were true in my life and my attitudes and my uh, the stealing of my heart, if, if that makes sense, turning, turning myself into a warrior rather than a, a young man that was prone to, you know, feelings and emotions. And, and I'm not saying I don't have those. I still cry when, you know, we play the national anthem, but um, just if anybody laughs, I kill them, you know, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there are three distinct seasons. There's pre-selection and selection. And, and there's a mindset that, that you have to have to get through that. And, mm. and this is all tied to leadership. And I'll, if you'll hang with me, I'll, I'll bring it around. Yeah. I'm that. with you. Um, I learned really early on with little things like I would get done with my ruck run or ruck march or whatever, pre preparing for SFAS. And I would follow that sheet that they gave me. And I know they have different programs now, but back then it was on your own. I mean, you did it or you didn't. Yeah. And um, I would get done with my rock and I'd, of course, be smoked because I, you know, doubled the weight and doubled the distance and, you know, did all the things that we know are wrong today. But 
I get back and you get hydrated and you start to relax. And the temptation is just like, okay, I'm done for today. And then this little voice would say, you know what? You should probably check your gear, prepare your stuff. So the next time you get a chance, if you don't have as much time, you can still grab it and run out the door. Mm. And that attitude went with me into SF where guys would be like, yeah, we can get to it later. Or do we really need to do that? And my answer was always, why wouldn't you do that? Mm-hmm. And that question through that first season really shaped me as a, a new Green Beret. So whenever the question came up, should we or shouldn't we, I always asked the opposite direction, why wouldn't you do it? And that, that had a big effect on me being successful at both selections and of course being a new green beret um so then you get through selection you show up to a team and and you know my son i don't i don't know if i should say this on the podcast or not Mm. but he uh he earned his green beret last june ah fantastic footsteps congratulations Um, congrats he finished uh language school spanish and he's right now in key west um doing scuba school and then in route to his group, which he's going to seventh group, my alma mater. So he's literally walking in my tracks, super proud of him. Um, But one of the things I shared with him is, is okay, great. I'm super proud of you. You got your beret. This starts the next season, but understand this passing the Q course just gives you the right to begin as a green beret. You're not showing up to group as a badass and you're not going to show up and everybody's going to go, Oh my God, did you see the new guy? Mm. You you're just a beginner and you got to understand that guys have been doing this for decades and you've earned the right to be there, but you're just at the basic level. So go in with humility, go in with an open mind and open heart and learn. So, so that starts the second season and the second season is, is, at least for me, was riddled with, I got to get scuba. I got to get Halo. I want to get the Sephardic. I got to get ASOT. And it's, it's this constant grab to get all those hard skills. And arguably, everybody wants to get those. And so you go through maybe even years of attempting to, to get the next school, the next level of that school, you know, not just scuba, but I want to be dive master, not just halo. I want to be a, you know, a jump master. And, and that can just, that can take up years. And it, and it did for me. And you go through that second season. And again, the temptation is to think, well, I've arrived. I've got a scuba bubble. I've got halo wings. I've been to Sephardic. I can shoot the left butt cheek of a fly at 100 yards with my pistol or whatever it is. And then you're going to be like me. You're going to sit in the team room one day and you're going to go, I'm a senior seven. And I can teach. I'm about to make eight. I can teach all the guys these hard skills. I can teach them how to make a bomb and blow up a door. I can teach them how to jump. I can teach them how to modify their weapons i can you know i can teach them anything but then what because the real training happens in the team room after the day's over and you're all sitting around cleaning your weapons or 
having those talks, that's when you develop men. And I, and I realized I was at another season. I was entering season three, coming out of my hard skills building and development stage. And I realized I was skin deep and I didn't have anything to give these guys that I was about to maybe lead. And it was my aha moment. And I went into growth development phase and I read 96 books in one year. Wow. Books on relationships, personalities, communication, leadership, management, logistics, you name it. I, I devoured books. And the, the beauty of that was guys that knew me for years, I'd been working with for you know, six, seven, eight years, they came to me and they said, dude, you're different. What, what's different about you? And it allowed me to exercise this newfound humility that I had mm. encountered. And I'd say, well, you know, man, I, I just realized that I had a lot of growing to do. And um, so I've been, been engaged in that. And, uh, and that was kind of my growth journey. Um, unfortunately, during my first two seasons, I made a lot of mistakes. Um, I offended people. I'd say the wrong thing at the wrong time. Um, and, 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 do I need to pause? You guys need to ask a question? No, I think uh, <laughs> I wanted to jump in there too, uh, Tim, is that just the interesting philosophy of life that you have. Uh, the one thought I had was uh, I am also a fellow Renaissance man. So I don't. Uh, I think our our uh, careers were followed. They followed similar trajectories. But I basically became uh, an E eight uh, post unit time, <clears throat> about seventeen years in, and didn't really know anything. And I started just devouring books, and I had I needed to do that. And I think it was like the necessity uh, was you know calling on me. Hey, you need to you need to know something instead of just hurry up, guys. Yeah, I think I think just listening to you. Um you know, it, it just rings true, you yeah. know, uh, sort of the phases that you were talking about in, in the in the, uh, the different stages, because uh, I think I, you're absolutely right. You really don't get into that humble sort of, um, I don't really know what I need to know stage until you're almost, you've almost wrapped yeah. up a military career at that point, and you're finally starting to get smart and realize that you're, you're you know, you're kind of a dummy. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think uh, I know for myself, just listening to you talk, I'm like, yep, yep, yep. I can I can relate to that. So I think this is really good information, especially for the younger guys, because I don't I don't know when you're in that second stage that you were talking about that you realize yeah. that that third is coming. Yeah, and right. uh, Tim, what I hope our listeners are getting is you don't arrive. You know, you right. you went you, you made it to the Q there. course, right. you went to the unit, you did this that, you did did maybe safari, you did all these other awesome schools, but you didn't arrive, you didn't rest on your laurels, and we've seen those guys that do that, and we don't want to serve with those guys. Nobody does because they're just you know uh, narcissistic, and and uh, obviously they they usually can't back up what they're saying, but yeah, the, right. the beauty of it is you didn't rest on your laurels. You, you kept hungry and humble and, and moving on. And so that's, that's what I'm hearing. It's awesome. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So um, I'm trying to gather my thoughts. I, I believe that it takes five to seven years in mm. group before a guy is totally ready to like, if, if he had to be deployed by himself or in a twosie mission, you know, one, onesie or twosies, 
um, five to seven years before they're capable of, of launching to Bogota, Colombia, for example. Yeah. And, and not just getting down there and just kind of being there, but actually going, okay, here's what's going on. Here's my role. Here's how I can be value added. A, a brand new guy is just not going to do that. Yeah. You know, they, they don't have the experience. Well, and so, that's just an expression, isn't it? Uh, with any field of endeavor, it's, you know, it takes about five years before you know what you're doing, no matter what you're doing. And, right. and you're absolutely right because there's so many things, maybe, you know, some other jobs could be, you know, a couple, two, three years, but, but in group, there's a lot of complexities and there's a lot of things, uh, you know, to that involve being a singleton somewhere, like you're saying, downrange. There's a lot of things, a lot of rope, you know, to hang yourself with. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So if we could track back just for a minute, if, yeah. if that's okay, and, uh, you know, go back to that phase two hard skills development phase. Mm. If I had a guy uh, on my team and, and now, you know, that I've reflected and kind of developed this idea, um, I would encourage my guys as a team sergeant, I did um, encourage them to start to combine seasons two and three or phases two and three, whereas they were separate for me because I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have somebody that was looking out for me saying, hey, man, you know, here's what's coming up. Here's what you need to be doing. Um, I became that guy for my team. And what I would say to the guys out there is it's not stupid to read books and it's not an admission of, I don't know to read books. It's, it's a constant growth mindset mm -hmm. and you can shorten your time to success and do it much quicker than I did. My son is, uh, if you'll start to combine that. So grow yourself personally while you're also gathering all those hard skills. So you can learn to shoot and learn to communicate with people simultaneously. <laughs> that, was, yeah. that was my experience, but it could be yours. Hey, uh, so. Tim, uh, just for my uh, essay, what is the, you said phase, phase two of this uh, philosophy of life that you have is uh, the hard skills development phase. What is phase one and three? Phase, phase one is that gathering knowledge and preparation okay. phase. Okay, gotcha. Um, for example, you know, even though selection is a, a secret event for both of them, supposedly, um, you do as much gathering of data and preparation as you can. Um, when I went to the first selection SFAS, um, I literally didn't know much. I knew there were three phases because they told me that, you know, first gate after week one, um, second gate was after land nav and then we had team week back then and uh that's about all i knew and so um, you know i was with guys that you know because i had been out when i went through I, I was with guys that were active duty still and they were much more switched on than i was but i actually looked at it as a gift um because not knowing is it can be a blessing or a curse, right? <laughs> yeah. If you, if you don't know you're going to walk 26 miles today, then you can't be worried about it or, you know, have that conflict, uh, conflict inside you going, man, I may make it. You, know, <laughs> you just start walking and you just do it. No, yeah. no. It also sounded like part of that first stage too was just sort of that mental preparation and developing good habits. You, you're, you were talking about, uh, 
you know, check, even though you're tired, you know, getting prepared for that next event ahead of time. Don't let, uh, you know, your laziness or your just, you know, your tiredness, you know, keep you from doing what you need to do. You know, just, yeah. Just, just being, uh, you know, developing those good habits that you know you're going to be um, using the rest of your life. Yeah. So I, I had a saying that I used for many years uh, when people would ask me about SFAS. And I eventually went back out there for a little bit less than a year to be a cadre mm. right before I went out to the unit. Um, and this is what I would tell even candidates when, you know, I would have them for a little while. Um, I told them a story and I'd say, you know, the, the day SFA started, I was in the back of a five ton truck driving out to Camp McCall and it was pitch black. They had the tarps down on the trucks and it was cold and I remember the conversation going something like this. A guy said, well, I was a quarterback at Louisiana State University. And another guy said, well, I was a, you know, a runner-up Mr. Illinois bodybuilder two years in a row. Another guy said, you know, something else. And, I, and I'm sitting there. I was about 145 pounds. And I, I thought, what am I doing here? <laughs> I can't compete with these guys. But my attitude was that I may not make it, but if I don't make it, it's going to be because I'm in the back of a truck with rigor mortis because I killed myself trying. Yeah. And no what I soon found out was Mr. Quarterback and Mr. Illinois were the first ones gone because they expected it to be easy. And I was there to fight a war, you know? Wow. So attitude makes, makes all the difference. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's, I mean, you're exactly right. I saw, I remember, look back at the selections I've been through. You look at the guy, he looks like the star quarterback. Uh, but, you know, you're in it to win it. You're like, hey, uh, if, you know, it, it, my legs have to be removed in order for me not to be walking. And, uh, yeah, but th those guys obviously didn't go there. And you you have to go there. You're like, how, how yeah. bad do you want it? Yeah, that's there awesome. When I went through the other selection for the unit, um, right towards the end, there was a guy, you would probably know him if I said his whole name. It's Pete. His last name starts with C. Mm. Um, had been in seventh group and, a, and actually was a nurse before that, an officer. And uh, I knew him personally and he called me over uh, being an 18 Delta. He goes, hey man, you got a minute? And I said, yeah, sure. And I came over to his bunk and he goes, hey, man, you need to look at this. And he pulled his sock off. Now, imagine if you were wearing a flip flop <laughs> and the straps <laughs> on the flip flop were broken. The whole bottom of his foot was like that flip flop, mm. just a gigantic foot of skin, like one whole piece from ball of the foot to the heel. And it was separated almost completely mm. there were just little strings of tissue holding T it on tasty <laughs> and uh, of course it has a nice smell to it too after walking all day oh <laughs> uh, yeah and hey, can, uh, he's like is something wrong you think there's something wrong with this <laughs> yeah well he, he looks he's, he's, he's very hurts, aware that he's when watching I walk, my face <laughs> the whole time and, uh, and I'm, I'm looking at it and of course I'm wincing and you know, it's not hurting me, but I'm making the faces. And I finally look up at him and I, and I shook my head 
like to say no. And I, and then I caught myself and I was like, dude, do not be the reason this guy doesn't make it. Yeah. And I looked back at him and I said, Pete, it's going to be hard and it's going to be rough. It, there's no way to dress it up and make it pretty. You can make it if you have the heart to, but you got to decide now because when you get out there and you're 20 plus miles in, your body is going to scream at you to stop, but your mind and your heart are stronger than your body. So decide what you're going to do now. It'll be the most heroic thing that happens during the selection. I promise you. And he of course went on to make it and, uh, and even go on, you know, through the officer portion. So um, that's heart. And going back to one of your original questions, I don't see that very often these days in young no, men. No, no doubt. I mean, that uh, it's a different breed. Uh, and yeah, we do see, you know, and I don't want to, I don't want to sound like that old guy that just always poo-poo's the next generation, but, but yeah, they're, they're, uh, they, they kind of are different though. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't think I've seen too many, you know, flesh flip flops, you know, at McCall, you know, well, I think, I think, I think, lately. I think, yeah, well, I think you were right when, when both of you said, um, you know, you still see the same caliber guy, just less of them. And they really stand out now. Um, yeah. When you see when you see that individual that reminds you of of the Pete with the uh, with the feet, okay, Pete with the feet. Uh, when you <laughs> when you right when yeah. you see that guy today, um, it's like wow, you know, it kind of gives you hope. You're like, heck yeah, man, you know, because it brings back uh, memories of the dudes with that metal, um, mm. with that that heart and. I know, I know from my, and I, I'm sure it's true with Paul as well, and, and and I'm sure for you too, Tim, it's when you see that guy, it just gives you hope. You know, it's like, yeah. okay, nothing's changed. You know, th these guys are still out there. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So could I, I got a question. Do you think we could segue into attitude a little bit? I feel uh, like I'm. Oh, I think it's perfect timing. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, was, and I was hoping you'd give us maybe a couple uh you know, real life antidote stories uh, from your past too. things were uh, lessons learned as well. Okay. I'm about to do that. <laughs> awesome. Um, so earlier I, I mentioned me leaving the unit and I, I didn't necessarily leave the unit because of any hard skills. I was extremely fit. I, I could shoot, you know, I was top dog in, in my OTC class with pistol Um Mike Pannone was, was one of my teammates, uh, uh, or, you know, classmates, uh, John, uh, Sheriff of Baghdad, McPhee, mm. um, we're still good friends. What an amazing guy he is. Anyway, um, why I left the unit was pride and arrogance. And, and it wasn't even a real pride or a real arrogance. What it was, was my insecurity. And, you know, when you see a guy acting out and, and saying things that sound stupid and constantly trying to draw attention to themselves, it's, it's not necessarily always that they're, you know, a choleric personality or they're arrogant. It's that they're screaming for affirmation and validation. Mm -hmm. and, and that was me, right? Um, I went to selection the first time and I didn't make it because I had my head so far up my rear end. Um, I had to wash my hair four or five times to get it clean. Yeah. 
Um, the second time I went, uh, I broke my leg and I had a third invite to go back. Uh, but I lost patience and I went over as a medic, which was fine. I, I don't have a problem with that. Um, need them. I was a great medic, but I wasn't in a place in my maturity where I could handle being second place. And what that caused me to do was do and say things that were really just utterly foolish. Here's an example. You guys will know where I'm talking about in the spine, the big main hallway. I was walking down that hallway one morning going to the mess hall. And you know as well as I do, sometimes guys there are involved with world-changing events. And they'll come down in civilian clothes from an office. And their minds are halfway around the world. And they're problem-solving and they're engaged. They're just going to get something to eat. And I knew that. I know that now. And I'm walking down the hallway, and you know the the classic low hand, what's up or how's it going? You know you don't you can't act too excited to say hello to anybody. <laughs> that would be weird. So it's uh you know how's it going? And you just kind of raise your hand a little bit. Well, when I walked past him, I said, "How's it going?" And he ignored me. And in my heart of hearts, I knew he was just so preoccupied. He was somewhere else in his mind but my ego couldn't handle it and i flipped around and i said hey man and he turned around and i said i said hi to you and everything inside of me was going just ask him if he's okay you can still recover i could have said you know hey man are you okay but still my ego my my pride was so injured because i was insecure i said i said hi to you and he goes, oh, hi. And I turned and walked away. And I realized how, in the moment, I realized how badly I had just failed because of pride and arrogance and insecurity. And it was because of things like that, that it was soon, you know, somebody came to me and they're like, you know what, you, you do a great job, but maybe you need, need to take a year off. And I got it. So, you know, I, of course, when, most of the time when guys leave there, they, they don't go back. Some do. Um, when I left, uh, you know, I went to C37 and, you know, got busy in, in my career and I, I never did go back. Uh, but that was part of my journey of learning to forget about myself, focus on others. And um, that all led to you know, the way I led uh, my team and my men later. And, um, uh, Tim, if I can jump in there too. Uh, sure. So a similar uh, occurrence for me is, uh, you know, I did selection, uh, passed, and then, uh, but I did two OTCs. So, okay. you know, it's you know, different uh, walk for me, but when I uh, passed selection, I went to the first OTC about, you know, got through most of it. And then I was called to our major's office. You know, I was like, okay, that's probably curtains. Cause you just don't, yeah. if you get called to his office, you go, that's, you're not going to see that guy anymore. But right. uh, yeah, I couldn't handle being second, uh, you know, place either. And they offered me a job uh, to be DS. And I just, where I was at the time, I just could not do it. And, mm -hmm. and they said, Hey, you could be this, that, and the other. And I was like, ah, you know, I want to be the guy you know, that's, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to be JV, 
you know, I want to be on the field. So long story short is I had to go, and I, they got me a, a slot to go to, uh, you know, the shooter course, and I ended up going out to C110. But, uh, but yeah, I had, uh, so I actually did what kind of, I came to the realization you did, what you're just talking about is, hey, it's not all about me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's about being on a team. It's about being a part of a team. And, and it's about things, you know, uh, concerned with about things, living for something bigger than yourself. Yeah. Because I was just yep. a, a self-absorbed uh, guy. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't see far, you know, farther past. I mean, not far, very far past my, no, my own nose. Right. But, uh, right. yeah, you know, we came to that realization. I was privileged to go back. And uh, I actually finished OTC and. You ended up going to uh, uh, Sea Squadron, but uh, but at that time, you know that was you know if that had not been offered to me, uh, you know would have who knows if that wouldn't have you know it was a good crushing. It was a good little yeah. hey. I don't think I think you need to think about things here, Paul. Let me, let me ask uh, uh, your thoughts on this, uh, Tim, and and that is, yeah. you know, a lot of times I think one of the primary reasons. Um, to take on additional challenges, take on those things that really kind of scared the crap out of you. Um, to continue to challenge yourself is because you really, I think it's healthy for uh, folks to hit their wall. Um, I think there's a lot of growth in that. Uh, you know, we're, we were all awesome, awesome soldiers in the 82nd. Uh, it, it didn't take much to shine um, there. But when you start uh, up in the ante, if you will, mm-hmm. and start getting into that soft community, I mean, I know from, from myself, uh, and I think I'm hearing the same thing from, from both you and Paul, uh, you find some exceptional people. I mean, you, you figure out really fast that you're just not as cool as you think you are. Uh, right. There's guys that are stronger than you, smarter than you, um, you know, people that can do just remarkable things and it's a humbling experience, but it's also, that's, it's a really good place to be because uh, you really need to kind of uh, settle into what, what you can do and what you can't do and really uh, recapture that growth mentality. Uh, realize that, that you just don't know things and there's still a lot of stuff to learn. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I love the soft community because I, I just was, to be quite honest with you, I never was Mr. Exceptional. I mean, there was just yeah. guys to my left and right that were just incredible. I just, it was a privilege every day to serve with them. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, exactly what you're talking about was, would lead me to my next kind of maybe talking point is when I got, you know, even into the SIF company and primarily in the unit, I looked at a team. Well, let me back up and say this. In jiu-jitsu, I'm a, I'm a jiu-jitsu practitioner. And in jiu-jitsu, we have a saying, fight with your opponent, not against your opponent. Mm. And, you know, obviously it preserves energy and, you know, all the things that go with that. But what I figured out was that I looked at all my teammates as opponents. I have to outrun him today. I have to outshoot him. I have to do this better than he did. And, you know, everything was about being the best. I have to be the best. 
and, and there's nothing wrong with striving for excellence and there's nothing, nothing wrong with striving to be your best. But when that guy like me is constantly like looking at everything, like I have to beat them, it, it just really becomes annoying and, and you're not part of a team, right? You're on a team, but you're not part of the team. You're not really contributing to the fabric of that team. You, you may be tearing it down more than you're adding to. So one of the big changes that I went through after my aha moment and I started to read books was these guys are amazing. Like I am surrounded by Olympic level athletes with, you know, master's degree kind of brains mm-hmm. And instead of trying to beat them all the time or show them up or out, outstrip them or whatever, maybe I should shut up and listen <laughs> more than I talk. Two ears, one mouth, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I started to do that. And it was about that time that I, I read a book and it taught me one of the most valuable principles that I've used to this day. I taught it to my son. He uses it quite often. Um, and that is affirm and I'm totally drawing a blank now, <laughs> affirm yeah. and validate. There we go. So what I started doing was guys on my team and when they beat me at something, instead of going, Oh, son of a bitch, I'm going to, I'll do better next time. And, you know, go throw my stuff into my kit bag or whatever. I'd walk over and shake their hand. I'd be like, dang, dude, you were really on today. I am so glad that I'm working with guys like you, you know, and that sounds cheesy, but you know what I mean? In the moment you say Mm -hmm. what's appropriate. And I started to affirm them and validate them. And all of a sudden I was integrated. I I became part of the team a lot more, you know, you know what I mean? I I was on the team and I was part of the team, but I truly became a team player at that point. And, and it was super, super important because then when I was promoted, some of those guys came to work for me and instead of it being, Oh, well, here's the guy I've been competing against for the last five years and is so smug when he wins, they came to work for me and they were happy about it. They were like, this guy's great. Can't wait. This is going to be awesome. And so if you just practice, if a younger guy would, instead of being arrogant and all worried about what, you know, everybody's thinking of him, if he would just affirm and validate those around him, mm. he will move forward and be so much more valuable as a team and, and even as a leader um, in yeah, his environment. Yeah, well, yeah, I love that. Of, well, I just, yeah. I just love that saying. Yeah. I, I love that saying because um, fight with your opponent, not against him. I mean, that's exactly uh, what, you're, what you're describing. Um, and, when, yeah. if, and when you're fighting against that opponent, you know, you're, not, you're not on the team. Right. Um, you know, you really do have to fight with with that opponent or fight with your own uh, inclinations, I guess, to be competitive. I mean, you're. It's not really about competition at that point. It's about building a team. It's not. It's not about where where right. you're sitting within that team. I think that's a, a fantastic advice. Yeah, there was a a moment at the unit. Um, we were doing something one night uh, on Bragg. And I was leaning against a, a Crown Vic and one of the guys that, that drove that car. I'm, I'm, I keep almost saying things I probably shouldn't. So I'm leaning against the car 
and uh, this guy's leaning against the car, and we're watching these guys do a hit. And this guy goes running by, and he goes, man, that guy's a piece of shit. And I, it caught me. Like, I, I, I was like, what? And I looked at him, and I said, did you mean that? I mean, do you, do you really mean that guy's a piece of shit? Or do you mean you don't get along with him very well? And he was like, huh. I've never really thought about it like that. I said, well, consider this, man. Everybody <laughs> here from the, from the cooks to the janitor, they are hired because they are the absolute best in their field. So for you to say that guy is a piece of shit is a pretty bold statement. And he, he hung on to that for a minute. And then finally he said, you know what? You're absolutely right. Yeah. He's probably an amazing dude. I just don't like him personally. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, great. And yeah, that's somewhere. another. <laughs> what's that? That's yeah, a, got that's somewhere. A, yeah. That's a whole different yeah, ballgame. So, so yeah. that's something I took on my team with me when I started mm. to lead was there were guys I wasn't going to hang out with on weekends. We were just too different, you know. But I looked at these guys and I thought, they're, they're freaking amazing, man. Mm. They're great, great guys. And maybe because we don't get along personally, that doesn't matter. As their leader, I'm going to do everything I can to help them and move them forward and promote them and et cetera, et cetera. Hey, so, no doubt. So then, um, so, you know, the pinnacle of my career was being a team sergeant. I don't know about you, but yep. finally, you know, uh, mine was a little bit different. I had uh, some unit time and I was an E8 and uh, getting paid to be three up, three down, but not really earning it. And then finally, you know, after I had got uh, schwacked, got to get a team. But what was that like for you? Like, you finally get your team. Uh, how, how would you? How did you approach that? Like, um, you know, if you were like me, you saw the team sergeants in the past that did a good job. You try to implement, you know, emulate that, and they kind of try to avoid some of the dumb things they did. But what was your philosophy when you finally was a leadership? If you took a leadership role in that uh, on a team, what was that like? So I follow um, the, the, the three rule um, thing. I, I say mission, men, and me. Yeah, that's a good book. Every, too. Very good. Every decision that I made, I ran through. Is, does it support the mission? Does it push the mission forward? Does it help success? Then men. Does it help my men? Does it endanger them? Does it weaken them? How, how does it affect them? And then lastly, me. What does that do for me? Um, if it compromised me legally or morally, uh, it was a no. Um, other than that, you know, the, the mission and the men were the primary focus. Um, literally, you remember I told you I read 96 books in that one year. If I had not done that, I would have floundered big time as a team sergeant. Um, there was a book, it's, it's written by a woman. And it's called Personality Plus. Mm. And, and it's a soft skill book. It's, there's no warrior stuff in it at all. She talks about everything from her husband and arguing about the toilet paper. It's not a cool book. But it's one of the most valuable books I ever read. Wow. Because it, it breaks out the four personalities. And I'll just tell you what they are real quickly. Um, there's four types. And you'll know, as soon as I say them, you'll know, oh, Frank was one of those and Bill was one of those or whatever. 
But the first personality type is called a choleric. And I characterize, she does too, in the book as animals. It's the lion. It's the guy who's large and in charge, super confident, probably cocky. And they easily step into leadership roles, right? The second one is a sanguine. I'm very much a sanguine and they're characterized as an otter. Hey, if it's fun, it's good. And I've always loved the adventure and the fun aspect of being in soft. Uh, then you got the melancholy. That's the person who feels their way through most things. Uh, you'll get those sometimes in soft, but not a lot. Um, you know, they're the ones that see something and go, oh, you know, <laughs> there's not a lot of those guys. But that's a melancholy. And then the last one is a phlegmatic. They um, characterize those like a beaver, right? They're always working on something. The pencils have to be parallel to each other on the desk. Nothing's, you know, amiss in their in their uh, gear locker. It's all, you know, they make left ex- and right. And they they right make side. excellent 18 Charlies. Yes. Very <laughs> good. So why was that important as a leader? is each one of those personalities receives information differently. For example, true story, I had a fox, uh, a guy named Brad. He's, he's passed on now, but he was a choleric to the nth degree. He even talked like that, you know, with a purposely lowering his voice. So he sounded rougher. And, and we had a couple of guys in, in C37, which is a SIF company. And you guys know that, um, which means Usually the guys have been in group four or five years already. They're not new guys, but they were new to our team and our unit. And Brad kept harassing these guys. And I let it go for a couple of weeks, you know, let, let them earn their place on the team. And then it was getting on to a month or so. And they walked in from lunch and Brad said something derogatory to him about being the new guys and mop the floor and whatever. And I just really kind of had enough. And I flipped around in my chair and I said, hey, Brad, if I thought like you, you wouldn't work here. And I flipped back around and went back to work on my computer. It was about 10 minutes. And that's when he he said, damn, that was harsh. But if I had turned around and said, hey, Brad, let's have a talk about this. You know, that he'd have been like, what's the matter with you, puss? You need to just say it, you know. So the deal with a choleric, you have to be a choleric. Mm. Right. On the other side of that, I had a medic. His name was Tim, and he was very much a phlegmatic, very quiet, very precise. Everything that he did was left, you know, dress right, dress, and perfect. He had an opportunity as uh, gaining to be a senior seven. He had an opportunity to do a a training event, and I said, hey, here's your event. I'm going to let you run with it. Talk to me and ask me for help if you need it. He never asked for help. When the event came, he did a pretty good job right up until he didn't. I had to step (laughs) in and kind of resurrect training. Not a problem. The salt force didn't suffer from it. At the end of the day, everything was, was great. We got back to the team room and I went to him and I purposely, knowing that he was a phlegmatic, I crossed my arms. I lowered my voice. I stood at a 45 degree angle to him, not 90, you know, face to face. That's too confrontational for these guys. And I said, Hey man, when you get a few minutes, uh, I'd like to chat with you. He goes, okay, boss. 
about five minutes later, he came walking over. He goes, hey, I'm, I'm free. What you got? I said, let's sit back here. We went into a private area. I said, so how do you think training went today? And he self-diagnosed everything he screwed up. Mm. He's like, I didn't do this. I didn't do that. And I screwed this up. I said, what do you think you should do next time? He goes, well, you offered to help. I probably should have asked. I said, all right, man. I'm always here. Let's go back to work. I never had to deal with that guy again. But if I had gone at him like I went at Brad, he would have shriveled up and turned me off. And I would have been an asshole. He would have got out of the army. He would have tried to leave the team. And you've got to cater your communication to the person you're dealing with. Because you can transmit all day long. But if they're not receiving because you're offending them or you're acting like an ass, then you're not really communicating. They're not hearing you. So the me, most important thing I did as a, as a team sergeant. Hey, Tim, uh, I wish I could uh, uh, go back in time and like a time capsule and like let my 34 year old self hear that mm. something like that. And then, you know, I wouldn't have done all the mistakes I made because well, I, I did not do what you just said. I mean, I stepped all over my crank. I, I did a lot of dumb things and mm. I could have, uh, saved a lot of brain cells and oxygen just to think things through. I mean, it's very simple, but, but, uh, so important. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. Well, here's, here's what I'm thinking too, is I'm wondering, um, this is just golden information that, you know, to me, it just, you know, you had to go out, thank goodness you were motivated enough to go out and find the books and, and do the reading and, and, and realize that, uh, you know, you're going to try to, you know, be better than, than where, than where you were at. Um, but it seems to me some of this probably kind of belongs in the NCOES or the non-commissioned officer, you know, education system. I, it, it's really not that difficult, but I think it's, it's extremely valuable information for, you know, people that are kind of rolling into these leadership positions and really to help set them up for success a bit. Yeah. I think I missed this, uh, block of instruction. I I know I missed it. Yeah. I didn't get this. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think they had that at, when I went through. I mean, what, what do you think about that? I mean, trying to get some of this, uh, yeah, some of this, you know, incorporate into our leadership program. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, I book, think. Uh, when's the book coming out? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, this you know, one I've would have to read it. To write a book. Um, I actually started to write one in like 2013. I wrote 13 chapters. And then I made a mistake. I went back and read my own material. And I was like, that's so gay. I'm not, I'm not going to read that. Um, but uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to dust it off. Um, I think I've got a little bit better perspective now. Mm. Well, I know and, of a publisher, Tim. I know, I know of a publisher if you're looking for one. Yeah. <laughs> Very, good. Very good. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah, I'll tell you, I, you know, if I had guys today... I, I would give them a couple of, of things. I would, I'd say be reading books always. Never stop reading. Get a mentor. Yeah. Got to have a mentor, somebody that you can go to and bounce things off of, preferably somebody that's four or five years ahead of you, yeah. right? They've already tread, tread that ground. Mm. They've been through the minefield. They know where the mines are, right? The reality is nobody's going to care for your future and your leadership except you. Mm. Unless you grow yourself, 
you're probably going to learn in the moment. And <laughs> those are a lot of minds to step on. So, yeah, yeah Tim, this is fantastic stuff. How can guys uh, get in contact with you? What what is uh, what's the platform? No, social media. Yeah. Sure. Um, I actually have a web page, and I'm on Instagram. I'm a, let me look it up so I don't give you the wrong thing. And if am I wrong saying that you also do uh, tactical games? I was the inventor of it. Okay. I sold that in January of 2021. Okay. But I invented it and built it up to about a half a million dollars a year. Um, so Instagram, it's called Live True Official. Okay. And uh, my website is golivetrue.com. Awesome. Golivetrue.com. I'd be I'd be honored to to hear from some of the guys, and if I could help in any way, of course I would. Yeah, book uh, forthcoming. That's right. Right. Yeah. Probably. Well, thanks for the nudge. <laughs> yeah, these are these are fantastic stuff. With, uh, I mean, uh, I, I got so much out of what you just uh, taught us about your life experiences. And, uh, you know, it was, it was fantastic to just kind of go down memory lane. We know some of the same guys. And, uh, so I'm, uh, I'm happy for you to come on the podcast today. I got a lot out of it. Absolutely. Really Thank you very much. I, I'm honored to do it and appreciate the opportunity greatly. Thank you, sir. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Pinelander podcast. If you enjoy our unique content, please consider supporting our sponsors. Soft News, providing special operations news from around the world. It's where Paul and I go to keep abreast of what's going on within the soft community. Check them out at soft.news. Blacksmith Publishing, been serving the warrior class since 2013. They have great titles written for warriors, by warriors. If you're looking for excellent reference material or just want to unwind with a great novel, be sure to check out the bookstore located at Blacksmith publishing.com and if you're looking for some cool Pinelander apparel head on over to the general store located at pinelandergeneralstore.com that's all one word pinelandergeneralstore.com have a great selection of shirts hats jackets sweaters stickers patches artwork and a whole lot more check out the store at pinelandergeneralstore.com if you're interested in helping develop our country's next generation of warriors, uh, please consider donating to the American Agogi Project. The mission of the project is to foster an environment producing able-bodied citizen warrior men of fine character. And we'll be officially launching the project in 2023 in celebration of uh, Blacksmith Publishing's 10th anniversary. Until our next meeting, stay mentally and tactically smart, physically and spiritually strong, and socially astute. To each other, we pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. May God continue to bless Pineland.